Dr. Keith, good to see you, man. Good to see you, Corey. Looking forward to it as always. Yeah, this is going to be is going to be another uh, amazing episode of Wit and Wisdom. Uh, what we're here to talk about today is um, actually something really interesting. So we just had, um, you know, our national elections last November. And one of the things that passed here in the state of Colorado was a legalization of mushroom psychedelics in general uh, to be used in uh, for therapeutic purposes. And I find this just absolutely fascinating on all sides, both the actual application of, you know, these substances, these entheogens to the healing process, as well as sort of the, the larger politics that are surrounding this, you know, which is something that um, we've talked about in the past. And, you know, really, a, I think a useful phrase for this is something like the politics of consciousness. I mean, it's, it's interesting to me, right, that certain states of consciousness have, you know, are sanctioned by the state and other states of consciousness aren't. And here we are in 2022, and it seems like the tides are turning in a certain kind of sense. We've had, you know, massive political movements across the country to, to legalize, I mean, first marijuana, which is now legal in, you know, uh, I, I believe the majority of states right now, I have to double check that. Um, but now we're having the legalization of these entheogenic substances in states like Colorado, and it had also passed in 2020 in Oregon. And I feel like this has just absolutely um, seismic consequences for both the future of, you know, psychotherapy itself. I mean, it's giving an entire new tool set that can be used in a therapeutic setting, as well as just culturally in general and, and allowing individuals to have more access to these, you know, potentially profound states of experience that um, a lot of these substances have to offer them. This is one of those times where I'm just really grateful to have integral, right? The actual framework to help sort of sort all of this out because there really are so many dimensions to this, right? I mean, we can talk about this, uh, you know, through the perspective of the four quadrants. So, you know, these psychedelic substances, they're chemicals, they're actual chemicals that we put into our body and they have a biochemical reaction in our body, which results in the upper left quadrant in our interior, these different states of experience, these different modes of perception. And in fact, one of the benefits I think of these substances is that it actually gets us to more closely examine perception itself, right? Which is exactly. we're constantly perceiving reality at all times, but very rarely are we putting that sort of the, the mechanisms of our perception under the microscope and actually noticing like, how is it that my brain is converting light into color and sound into, into the, these, you know, auditory experiences that we have. And the psychedelic experience kind of gives you, a, you know, it's, it's almost like it slows things down in a certain kind of way. So you can take a look at how you are making sense of your environment at every moment, which is one of the reasons why we have the cliche of like looking in a mirror while you're tripping is, is, is either nightmare fuel, or it's going to send you off to some, some heavenly realm. Cause now seeing, it's like, I'm looking at how I perceive myself. Well, what you're saying right now is typical of a conversation somebody would have on acid. Mm. It would sound just like you, like you're sounding, you know, wow. I'm not really seeing that. I'm, there's something happening in my brain that's relating to that, but but I'm not, I'm not seeing that. I'm I'm in my brain. Okay, it's like that. I, I interrupted you. Okay, so but go no, on. No, totally, totally fine. And and that's what makes it so powerful is you know one of one of the things that we often talk about in conversations like these is sort of this 
this critical mechanism in the upper left that is, is basically the key to all transformation, right? Whether we're talking about growing up through multiple stages of development, waking up to these sort of spiritual experiences and really, you know, other realms of reality, or cleaning up, the cleaning up process where we are actually sort of uh, surfacing our various shadows and blind spots and allergies and engaging them directly and reintegrating them. The common thread of all of those, the common mechanism with all of those is subject becomes object. And psychedelics, uh, for, for a lot of people, it's the very first time they've had sort of um, a dramatic experience of their subject becoming object, of them being able to look at their conditioning, their habituation. And it's almost like they, they're able to kind of step outside of their, of their own lives and look from the outside in how they go about making meaning and how they go about relating with other people and relating with the environment. And, you know, and, and I think that's one of the reasons, Keith, why a lot of people end up having experiences like, you know, I, I, I realize that um, I am not separate from my environment for the first time that just like, revealed itself to me. It becomes self-evident in a certain kind of way when you're in those altered states of consciousness. Some people, and remember a sixth of the population does not have an observing ego in, in multiple situations. And so, you know, aside from paranoid personality disorder and antisocial personality disorder, if you can have a self-observing moment, have, right. have a moment where you actually can observe yourself and particularly observe yourself acting badly, right? Which a sixth of the population can't do. Right. You just can't do it. If you can have a peak experience of that, potentially that opens up the door to accelerating. Now, this accelerating the, the development of the observing ego of the witness. Has this been researched? Not to my knowledge. Mm -hmm. and, and one other thing that I forgot to say, because you're about heading down to the lower left, right? Uh, I'm getting there soon, yeah. Yeah, a lot of couples will take, uh, particularly we'll take these drugs uh, together. Right. Becky right. and I did have multiple times, mostly without guides. In my experience, I never, I never used had guides. Not because I wouldn't have. Uh, I probably wouldn't have when I was young, but I would if I was young now. <laughs> but mostly, the couples will take them together. And the interesting thing for me about this is, I have never heard a couple say it was a bad experience for us. They always say it was good. There was something about taking the MDMA or the mushrooms or um, wh whatever they, they're doing together, that's, there was something that came out that, that ultimately in the end left them feeling closer. And I, found, I find that fascinating and I haven't seen any research about that either. Interesting, interesting. So yeah, which brings us into the lower left piece here where, where you know, I mean, these substances have a huge effect on culture. Right. I mean, we actually can see right now how American culture is kind of beginning to shift a little bit because one of the only state sanctioned states of consciousness that was available to us was alcohol. Right. Yeah, right. And Great. I mean, as a result, we are we sort of became a, a nation of alcoholics and um, and there's a lot of the alcohol yeah. is depressant. We have an epidemic of alcoholism, epidemic of depression, not That's to mention right. it increases anxiety enormously, which co-varies with, with right. depression. So yeah, yeah. Oh, you can do that, or you can have cigarettes, which you know will will kill you young too. So hey, go right. for it. Right. But you know, other kinds of drugs that might enhance your life, or that might cause you to become a wiser person, or might wake you up, or might help you grow up, clean up. Well, but again, that was that was the war on drugs, the war on well, essentially the progress the the progressive 
postmodernist and a war on minorities. That's right. Which brings us into the lower right quadrant where we can actually find what we're talking about, these the politics of consciousness itself. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, Keith, you mentioned that a lot of these substances were were sort of um uh ingrained in the culture of a lot of early societies and a lot of early cultures. Now, all of them, cultures all of them except Eskimos across the board, right? Yeah. And a lot of these are magenta and red cultures, right? That have these sort of rites of passage in, in these the the a particular sort of, you know, almost a methodology of how to, you know, have these experiences. They're not just, you know, walking around dropping peyote and, you know, there's there's a there's a there's a whole oh, yeah. sequence of events that's very structured in a certain kind of way. In order so the to drugs had spirit, the, the, the drugs were spirits. Right. The relationship with the drug, and this is by how I learned it. You know, like when you take when you do the I guess I was taught by shamanic people, you know, you, you're having a relationship with it. It has its own vibe like the one to somebody told me you know mushrooms like to be in warm comfortable dark places you know which is where i wanted to do on mushrooms uh you know when you're talking to the peyote it was like that Mm -hmm. it felt like there was a a specific spirit of the substance that was coming through affecting you and liberating you into the other world right well and one of the reasons this might be one of the reasons keith why um these substances often are so effective in therapy because it's almost like you know, with my friend, for example, dealing with addiction, mm-hmm. when you can actually use a substance to confront these addictions that we have in our system, right? Which is sort of feels ironic as you're using drugs to sort of get out of your dependency with drugs. Yeah, AA, like really, there. AA really hates using drugs. Yeah. Addiction. But for- really what it comes down to is what you're doing is you're, you're, you're using structured state experiences so that you are no longer addicted to these completely unstructured, chaotic, impulsive state experiences that, that we've become addicted to. And this, I think one of the reasons why they're so effective, Keith, is because when we're having these experiences, it's like the meaning is, the meaning reveals itself from the inside out right? Mm-hmm. You're not, you're not subscribing to like someone else's addiction program. For example, you are experiencing this from the inside out and that irrevocably changes how we make meaning in our lives to begin with. So when I think about how that applies to the politics of consciousness, well, here we have these substances that are evoking the, what, what many people will describe as religious experiences, right? I, I took this chemical and I met God for the first time in my life. And it wasn't just a concept. It wasn't just an idea. Like I was sitting in front of God and maybe I was even one with God, right? I mean, whatever it might be, there's a whole series of these, of these experiences. So when you take the perspective of religious institutions, are they going to sanction these kinds of experiences no, because the only way to God is through them, right? So at the amber stage, we start seeing this constriction in terms of what 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 kind of sanctioning is being extended to these different substances and these different states of consciousness that are associated with those substances. So that's kind of the amber piece, as well as all the ethnocentrism that you mentioned with the drug war and, you know, and I mentioned with reefer madness and like really, uh, you know, kind of trying to peg these, you know, uh, perceived pathologies onto a certain groups of people in this case, mainly, you know, black Americans, particularly in the jazz scene. Um, so that's sort of the Amber piece of the politics of consciousness. But then we have the orange piece, which you also mentioned, which is like, 
we have a massive like trillion dollar global pharmaceutical industry. And I'm not one of these guys to be like, you know, we should always, you know, big pharma is the devil and all that. Well, they can be. They can also I be. Am. Yeah. They're the devil. Oh. Big pharma is the devil. I'm, I'm going to back up. You know, I, I, I've got a kid with health issues and like, thank God for the medicines that are available in the 21st century for dealing well, that's with, true. you know, that's for helping true. people who really need them. I, you know, big pharma in a lot of ways saved my daughter's life and continues to save my daughter's life with the types of chemicals that they're making available, um, you know, for healing. So I'm not, I'm, I'm not black and white with this whatsoever, but I will say that when it comes to, you know, again, extending sanction to different kinds of compounds and different kinds of healing modalities that you cannot directly profit from, of course, that creates a, a, a constriction. So the orange piece of the politics of consciousness is basically, we don't want people to have access to chemicals that we can't profit from because I can't patent a mushroom or a plant right? I can maybe patent like some extraction process that we do with it, but like, you don't need that for these chemicals. With, with, with weed, you're literally taking flowers off a plant and smoking it. With mushrooms, you're picking it off of cow shit and putting it in your mouth and meeting God. I mean, it's so, it's so direct, you know, that you can't, there's no intermediaries anymore for that process. And that yeah. is a big problem for orange. And then we get to green where it's just like, you know, green is automatically going to hate orange. It's automatically going to hate amber. It's automatically going to think, you know, it's going to see nothing but this kind of corruption in the politics of consciousness. And they're going to take sort of a equal but opposite reaction in the other end where it's just like, let's just legalize everything, guys. Let's just like- yeah, let's all take acid. Like, you know, you see out, the acid you know? Like yeah. everybody should turn it, tune in, drop out. Well, no, we're different types of people, Green. That's right. Some types of people, they take acid and they go psychotic. That's right. Um, one of my friends once took a, a drug called T, uh, STP that was, um, I think it was STP, that was taken from Belladonna, which is from a flower, which is, you stay high for two days on this. So he took the drug and then 10 or, you know, an hour later he was arrested and spent two days in jail on this thing. Um, and also, one of the things I think I, I think secretly because I was raised by scientists, I was kind of orange. Like I took a bunch of acid once and heard a eucalyptus tree singing to me, and I can I can still hear it. It was beautiful, low deep voice. And the same night, seeing uh, these 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 the ocean coming up to the edge of a of a cliff with with, with uh, stars, green and, and red stars bursting in the sky. I always thought it was kind of the drug. It wasn't until years later I realized that's not just the drug. Mm. It's you having an experience with the ocean and the sky and, and the tree that is a deeper experience than you were having before. And, and there is an alignment there that, that wasn't there before, which is now this is where green shifts into teal. That's right. So then, so the, then how does that inform you? How does that inform you and your path? Uh, and we don't want to overpromise. You know, if you have an inability to have proportionate emotions or an inability to trust people or an inability to, to honor agreements or an inability to see other people as equals, you're not going to get that ability taking psychedelics. You might have a moment of insight mm -hmm. about how I'm fucking everything up with this thing. And you might not. But after that, that would require an enormous amount of personal work to install the capacities that you, that you don't have. Right. So there's no drug that installs capacities. 
but there's drugs that give you an opportunity to decide to install something. Right. Right. And so this is how they work together. That's know? right. Yeah. I feel like the integral move, Keith, is, you know, among sort of the, the, all the framing that we've tried to establish in this episode, but another big part of it is, you know, it's almost like every human being has a cosmic address, but mm -hmm. so does every one of these different substances, right? Like cocaine it has a very different effect on the personality, on the ego, on the self than psilocybin does. And mm -hmm. integral gives us a language to be able to sort of, you know, here he, here's the actual effects that a drug, the interior effects that a drug is having. These drugs are really going to, uh, you know, reinforce and emphasize your frontal self. I mean, that's like kind of what co cocaine sort of is. It's just like that's your personality, just like, blah, here I am, right? Whereas but it also affects your mood. The most common drug prescribed for depression in the 50s was methamphetamine, right? Yeah. Now, this has caused a lot of us to go, so we want to be a little bit cautious with the new drugs. That's right. But luckily for us, we have 70 years of experience with psilocybin, LSD, um, not quite so much with ketamine, not quite so much with DMT. Mm -hmm. uh, so, we, so we know so far that they're safe. Uh, we know that, that unless you're already starting out with a fragile psychology, they don't cause long-term damage at the at the at the least, and at the most, they help you grow if you want to grow. Finally, we've got a comment on YouTube I wanted to read from Dorothy, sure. who says, uh, "In my experience, it's not about needing to take shrooms over and over, but to have an experience and have it entrain you to expand your normal consciousness to appreciate all of life every day." That really resonates with um, Alex Gray. You know, when Alex Gray talks about this, he's done yeah. a, few, a few conversations with Ken. And, you know, Alex Gray is sort of our resident altered statesman <laughs> in a lot of ways. He has, That's he pretty has, good. He has like chronicled it. these realms in exhausting detail. And when he talks to Ken about it, he says the exact same thing. He's like, look, you know, you can use the chemical to have a peak experience. But remember, that is a peak experience. It's, it's giving you a momentary look behind the curtain, right? But as Ken says, and as he, Ken got his, from his own spiritual teacher when he was young, if this isn't, if your experience does not persist through waking life, dreaming life, and deep sleep, it's not real enlightenment. It's not a real awakening. And I think that, you know, in this context, we can see how, you know, these peak experiences can let us know if anything that that this is possible for enlightenment is possible in this lifetime. That's a really big deal for, you know, for people to learn for the first time, like these states of consciousness are possible, but the drug alone, at least according to Alex and Ken, and I'm guessing you and me too. Absolutely. The, the drug alone is not going to bring you there and, and turn that temporary state into a permanent trait. Instead, what we can do, what we need to do is have these peak experiences. That's great. But then there's a number of contemplative practices that we can engage in every single day that makes this more and more real for us as we go. So we have our big, wonderful breakthrough slash breakdown experiences. What do you do next? You sit on a cushion and you meditate. You look at your own mind. Right. And that's and that's how we're able to sustain sort of, you know, some of the beautiful kind of spiritual realizations and 
unfoldings and you know all of that understandings that we've gotten from that altered state experience.